podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Oh yes, oh yes indeed. Um, can't wait. It's Pod 368 and uh, on today's game we're discussing the 3-2 home defeat to West Ham. And doing that with me we've got James Endicott. Did you like that? West Ham! Uh, yeah, I did like it. It's very funny. Um, hello, how are you? Good, yeah, yeah, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Uh, yeah, I mean that was awful last night, to be honest. But um, uh, but that's but that was a great pod. Thanks. <laughs> well, listen, we're not just going to discuss the game. We're also going to discuss some transfers, obviously, because it's the last Ooh. week of the, of the window. So I'm allowing us some extended oh, okay. transfer chat for once. You know, guys, I know how much I hate transfer chat. Um, and joining us to do that, stars of the FYP Extra podcast, we've got Dom Firefield and Adam Sells. Uh, Dom, hello to you. Hello, Jim. How are you? It's been yeah, so good. long since I saw you about four hours <laughs> ago. Honestly, I'd, I've forgotten what your face looked like. It's just <laughs> lovely to have that reaffirmed. Um, I know you've got to race off to uh, the Chelsea game in a bit, so we'll crack Luis on in a oh, bit. Oh, <laughs> is that Dom's ringtone going again? <laughs> well, Selzy, that's the wrong song Stop for you. selling Stop gloves us. to our opponents. <laughs> Look, we went through all this last night. Okay, We haven't got time on the main pod. Um, can I ask that um, rather than isolation this week... Uh, Enders yeah. gives us a quick burst of Johnny Nash. There are more questions and answers instead. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but there's more chords than. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'll uh, later, Selzy. Later. Okay. Well, Selzy, surely the song for you would be "Happy Birthday" because today is your is your fifty fifth birthday. Fifty first. Oh. Steady on, son. Fifty first. <laughs> what did I say? Fifty fifth. I've aged you. I'm, I'm wow. glad to. I'm glad after recent experiences to make 51, so 55, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> well, you know, some would say watching Palace at the moment does feel like ageing four years overnight. Yes. Um, well, happy birthday. I'm Thank sorry you. that Palace couldn't give you a decent birthday present last night, and we'll come on to that in a minute after we've done a drum roll for a random patron. Beautiful. It's Mr. <laughs> David Irwin. Oh, hello, hello David, David Irwin. Uh, top man Dave and you can join our patron like Dave and get access to the post-match podcast which last night's was a very interesting in-depth analysis Um, (laughs) patron only merchandise (laughs) and you're one of the 
guest. You can't, anyway, so, and um, access to the Patreon only WhatsApp club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Right, so in part one, we're going to discuss West Ham. Part two, we've got an article from The Athletic on our new striker, Mateta, who unfortunately couldn't play last night. We're hoping we'll feature at the weekend. Part three is questions. Part four is Wolves preview. Uh, Dom, let's start with you really quickly. And sorry to go over uh, stuff we did last night anyway, but the West Ham game last night, 3-2 defeat. What went wrong for Palace against West Ham? Um, what went wrong? What went right? Uh, <laughs> we were overrunning midfield again completely. Uh, this this sort of rigid belief in a 4-4-2 with Milovievic and MacArthur as the central midfielders is just not working when teams... Uh, flooding bodies in there and and the the reality was that Ben Rama had had free reign to do whatever he wanted he was completely free all night until subbed um there was Declan Rice and and Suchek who were both outstanding on the night and are, are playing full of confidence in a team that won six on the bounce and are now fourth in the division as we speak um, dominated that midfield and they had three others around them doing the running and, and creating and 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 being elusive, and, and we had no one to track them. So once Palace went ahead, actually from that moment on, and I know we had sort of there was a bit of a repost late on, but really from once Palace went ahead, West Ham exerted control over the game and and dominated. And and that two man midfield for all their running, for all their their efforts to 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 get in the game, they just weren't in the game because they were being bypassed all the time. And the worry is that. This happens too often, and it will happen against Wolves. I'm, I'm seeing Wolves this evening at Chelsea, and I fully expect them to have three in midfield. They will probably play three in midfield against us on Saturday. So unless we change the system, the actual formation, exactly the same thing will happen again. So the onus there is is on the management. For all that you can argue that, that, that he doesn't have a huge amount of resources at his disposal, um, he probably does have enough to to change the shape of his team. And that is what we need going forward, in my opinion. Yeah, um, James, th- it does feel like we will come on to Roy in a minute. Obviously, a lot of yeah. people have sent us questions about Roy's future, and and which seems to happen after every defeat. Let's be honest. Um, it does feel like something needs to change. We've had a question from Lynn that says, "What's causing the malaise that seems to be gripping the team at the moment?" And I think a malaise is quite a good description for everything, really. Sort of players, uh, fans. Something has to change, doesn't it? Yeah, something's got to change. And and, and I think Dom's probably right. It uh, The only way it can change is on the pitch, really, because it's that's where everything stems from. And um, there's something going wrong. There's something there's something rotten in the borough, isn't there? There's something rotten at the core of what is going on. And now, and, and I believe, like Dom, that we do have... I do think we've got some... We've got the base of a good squad there. And we have got some really good players. There's, I've got a really good friend of mine called Ted, who's a QPR fan, who sent me a tweet last night. Uh, he basically said, you've got the wrong manager for the squad you've got. Too many square pegs being pushed into round holes. Please free Eze. And I kind of know what he means. It's like some of the players that do would normally have some freedom don't have it. Eze seems out. I don't know. There just seems to be... Nothing's clicking, JD. Nothing's clicking really in the team at the moment. And it's there's we've had ups and downs, ups and downs, but it seems like the down is just carrying on at the moment. And it's um 
it's it's worrying because we're we're not that far above relegation. Uh, I know there's a lot worse teams than us in the league, but um, we really do need to start putting some points. And it's all well and good getting the odd the odd draw from one of the against one of the better teams and playing, but you know we actually need to get some points now. Um, and it's starting to be a bit of a worry. Um, and I think we are lacking so much in midfield. We've got such a we've got so many great players to go forward, but we've got nobody feeding those players. And defensively, we're a bit of a shambles last night as well, especially in the sense of defence, especially one player. Well, I'm glad you said that, actually. <laughs> and Selzy, I'll come on to you for this. I'm glad you said that because we had a question from Chrissy Boy 73 Hi, Chrissy. Hi, Chrissy. And he said, we, and I think this is a general sort of worry that a lot of people have. We used to have two very solid defensive pairings. Why all of a sudden are we struggling at corners? He's been very specific there, but we, d- defensively, it has been an issue this season. And, and we should throw in the caveat that West Ham are on an excellent run. They're playing very well at the moment. They've got an excellent manager, in my opinion. I think Moyes has always been a good manager, um, despite the struggles at Man United. Um, but this defensive issue is becoming, you know, we're into January now and it's, it's happened most of the season. It's becoming a real worry, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's rather indicative of the whole position again, really. We've got five centre-halves that essentially good players or have been very good players for the club, but they're too old, a lot of them, to be honest, and they're they're looking like they're past their sell-by date and it's becoming a an issue. And, you know, the, the one of the big concerns at the moment with us is that sort of defensive discipline, platform, solid base, whatever you want to call it, in which or on which Roy's teams are built, has become an issue for us, but I find it very hard to believe that Roy will be doing anything different to his normal work that he goes about and he will have done for several seasons. I think that, you know, when Gary Cahill, who's a a seasoned professional that's been a top player and won the Premier League and won the Champions League and played all those games for England. He's beaten by Dawson. And again, at Manchester City, you know, we've conceded 14 goals, I think, in Gary Cahill's last three games for Palace, for example, which is a a concern, of course. You know, all of it, you know, and yet I would have said to you at the beginning of the season and from his efforts last season, you know, still a top player and looks great. But this is the worry. You see, Sacco you know, seems to, and I'm a huge Sacco fan, as you know, and I think in his prime and when he's at it, he's terrific. But the problem is the last couple of seasons, after he played those 26 or 27 games on the bounce, and we didn't think he was injured in the 4-1 defeat at Leicester a couple of years ago, it's absolutely been stop-start ever since. And rather like Marrow and Shamak, and going back a couple of years, once it sort of goes and they get heavy and all of those things, they seem to struggle to come back and then not break down again. Perhaps they're not doing what's necessary rehab-wise, or maybe it's just their age. But, you know, it's just become the sort of Connor Wickham saga all over again across. And, and you know, our, back, our, our, our five central defensive players you know, you would have said it was an area well-stocked and well-covered. I'm now thinking that probably aside of Tompkins, who's in contract, and Kelly, 
I'd be looking for for a couple of new ones, to be honest. And and it is it is a concern because, as I said, that sort of platform is is what we've been built on. But as I said, I very much doubt that Roy will be changing his ways of doing things in that respect. So you can only put it down to players, individual errors and mistakes. But that that kind of malaise, and that's a great word, really. You know, with 13 players going out of contract at one time, and we talked about this last night for a spell, it's really difficult because, you know, generally you shouldn't... uh, you shouldn't have more than sort of three or four players at a time in that situation. So the the lion's share or the bulk of your squad is secure and knowing that they're there and getting on with it kind of thing. I mean, you could argue these kind of these these terms like malaise and going through the motions are akin to um fellas that are serving out their notice period at the end of their contract almost, you know. And there's probably quite a lot of that because if by January the club hasn't offered you a new deal and you're going out of contract, I mean, generally they don't even let people get into their last years and stuff. I find it unlikely that many of them are going to be retained. And if we have to, if we have to work with the squad that we've got for the rest of the season with 50% of them knowing they're not going to be here, I think it's quite dangerous that the team may be, you know, and that's not criticising or questioning anybody's professionalism. It's just natural behaviour or instinct. And the, and as we said last night, it starts with the manager. And I'm sure you've got lots of questions about him. But the manager, the manager has been belt, been dealt sorry a very bad hand since he's been here, and he's comfortably kept the team in the league by several points, twelve, fifteen points a season, given us mid table mediocrity that everybody craved. But the question is, he's not been able to take it forward because we're not investing in our squad and taking it forward. And we've got a squad that has got a big chunk of it of players that are well past their sell-by date. So it's very difficult. And as I said last night when we were chatting with Dom and Rob, you know, there is a there is a bit of me now that's just saying, we have to come out and back Roy and give him a longer contract and show all the players that are here that he's going to be here and give us that bit of certainty or, or stability. Or if we're going to replace him, we probably need to replace him sooner rather than later if that's what the club's going to do. But something needs to change and we need to get some fresh blood in. And I we're going to talk about transfers. I think we need three or four players quickly. The issue would be we can't we, we haven't got the space in the squad because we can't dump any of the old guard because nobody's going to take them before the end of the contract so it's it's a really difficult complex situation and you know when we do shift all these players and the, the 12 or 13 of them leave in the summer or however many it's going to be how are we replacing them all and with what money and all that sort of stuff i mean sorry i'm ranting on a little bit here and sort of going off but the, these are all pertinent questions and underline the difficulty that that we find ourselves in at the moment. Yeah, but we're only in in this difficult position because we've made ourselves in this difficult position. We've known how old these players are for two or three seasons. So why hasn't anything been done about it at, you know, at management level? Whether that be, you know, I mean, you know, this is not a new problem. We, We knew this a year ago. We knew this two years ago that all these players were getting older. And here we are 
in this position. We, we the, the, the whole squad, the whole club needs an injection of youth and vitality. Now, whether that comes, you know, whether that comes from the players or the manager, I think we need a younger manager with that, with ideas that yes, will will fail on some games. But and I'm not saying you want a manager to be, to be learning on uh, as they go along, but it just lacks energy. It lacks something. It lacks youth. It lacks excitement. It lacks a bit of naivety in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you you want your whole squad to be like an essay, which is like an an unfinished thing, but we could all learn and build together. And I think I think there has to be a change in the management. I think it's got to change sooner rather than later, because that's where it's all coming from. As much as I I respect Roy and love what he's done for the club, and I'm a real Roy fan, I think it's got to the point where the players are not playing for him anymore. And in fact, they don't know what they're playing for. That's how it looks. And I just think it just needs an injection of something and it needs it sooner rather than later or else we are going to struggle this season. Well, I mean, I I think it needs an injection, yeah, of probably various things. But Dom, I'm wondering, and I made a note here that I want to talk about one thing in particular. I'm wondering if it, if it needs the fans. I'm wondering if the, the, not having the fans there is a bigger... All these points that the guys have made, obviously pertinent and fans are without fans, the squad needs changing, you know, all those things are correct. But... I feel like that is also a big element at the moment. I heard someone say the other day, oh, Liverpool, no one is missing their fans more than Liverpool at the moment or something like that. I I think every club is missing their fans, but I wonder if we would get some of these sort of treading water, as many treading water displays as we had this season. There's been many, you know, Newcastle, Burnley, last night, there's been more than normal under Roy. If we had a full house? I think even when there were 2,000 in the ground for the Spurs game, you saw that the energy... That, that they gave the teams through that second half. So there is an element of that, definitely. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. If, if Palace were, were losing at home to, to Newcastle and um, and getting ripped to pieces by Liverpool um, and, and West Ham, indeed, or even the, the, the Brighton game, like, the atmosphere within the ground would be poisonous. So in some respects... The players are being spared that. I mean, it's a balancing act between the two. I'm going to a game tonight where if there were supporters in the stadium at Stanford Bridge, the atmosphere tonight would be absolutely horrific and it would be aimed that all the vitriol would have been aimed at the board, despite everything that Abramovich has done for, for Chelsea. I'm, I'm convinced of that. There are banners being unfurled outside Stanford Bridge as we speak. Spend um, a bit more money, Roman. Stop messing about. <laughs> but isn't it? I mean, isn't that? Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, isn't it? Is the whole thing is it, that's just football culture, I guess, for you and and what people want. But but so yeah, you're right. It would add a bit of energy. But 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 I completely agree with Enders and the the, the place is desperate for a bit of revitalization at the moment. It needs rejuvenation. It needs it needs energy. Hodgson's done a brilliant job, but this is coming up now effectively to four seasons in charge. And and I know we, as an industry, the media as well, we're forever saying, oh, it's all about stability and how it's great that a manager is given time to do to do a job. But, but in, the, in modern day football, four years is quite a long time for a manager to be in one place, particularly if he's not getting the opportunity to, or or the club has not, rejuvenated around him as in hasn't poured money into squad building and, and planned for the future um from way back i i believe palace now are planning for the future in terms of their recruitment and they're trying to get younger players in but it is too late it should have happened two years ago 
that is the reality. We're playing catch up. So he has done a brilliant, brilliant job to keep Palace a stable mid-table team, really, for throughout his his period at the club. But it's gone stale now, and it's gone stale because the, the playing staff has gone stale. The, the 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 managerial staff has gone stale because you can only give you can only promote your ideas and get people doing the same things every single day for a certain amount of time, and it's pretty much. I mean, there are elements of this squad that were there when he arrived. A large number of these players were there when he was alive. That's four, that's four years of being drilled in exactly the same way all the time. And it, after a while, it doesn't have the same effect. That's what happens. And throw in the fact that all these guys are getting older and they can't even, they've got turning circles, you know, which, which opposing forwards are looking at thinking, oh, we've got an opportunity here. That combination just creates a perfect storm, and that's what Palace are riding out. I would say that at least we're doing this from with, from a point of twenty three points on the board and thirteenth mm. as we speak, and still eleven points clear of the relegation zone, which is pretty good going after twenty matches in a season. Um, and I would say also that there are other clubs within this division that are are experiencing far more doom and gloom at the moment than Palace are. Look at our opponents next week, by the way, at, at St. James's Park and, and the run that they've been on. However, Newcastle and Palace are an interesting comparison. Very different hierarchies. I don't think there's the same animosity at all directed towards the Palace ownership as there is to the Newcastle ownership. But arguably, you've got two mid-table teams that have stagnated there. And the, the, experiences, the experiences of the fan base are shared. It's really interesting you say that because we've got over 100 questions this week, and it, and it always happens when, when, when Palace lose and everyone's sort of going a bit crazy. And um, Selsey, nearly all the questions are about Roy, and it's, it's, Roy, it's pro- Roy's fault, you know, Roy needs to go, Roy needs to change. Very, very few are asking the question about the board's role in this. Um, and the very, very few are asking the question, which Dom posed last night on the podcast, Esther, which is if you do get rid of Roy now or end of the season, who comes in? Because that is the next question as well that needs to be asked. So it's all very well us being angry at Roy, and there's a lot of valid reasons to be so. But what comes yeah. next is actually I think a I think you've one. got to be fair as well. I mean, as I said a moment ago, Roy's delivered every single season that he's been here, safety, with us being the lowest net spenders over the last four years by quite a distance in the Premier League. So he's had no money to spend. That, well, not that he spends it anyway, but let's say he's had little support in the transfer market overall. And going back to Ender's point a minute ago about how does this happen and why does it happen? Well, because the club was not invested in young players because they cost money. Now, the, the caveat is that you buy a young player like Everett Chiesi for £14 million, his wages will be probably a third of a player like uh, Christian Benteke, for example, let's say, or even less, um, because they're younger and they haven't achieved at the top level yet. So on one side, you're better off on the wages, but it obviously costs you lots of money in the transfer market. But the upside of that is Everett Giesi would probably easily now fetch double the transfer fee that we paid for him and more, maybe three times or four times at this point. So you are actually improving your balance sheet and your squad value by doing so. But there seems to have been a sort of lack of desire to do that. And, you know, we've brought in 
free agents that are, have done jobs elsewhere and have been good Premier League players and stuff like that. But, you know, effectively, you know, whether we rate them or don't rate them or, or whatever, most of the players we've signed from Premier League clubs have been pretty much discarded or un, have been unwanted by those Premier League clubs. We haven't taken players off Premier League clubs that they haven't wanted to sell or, or, or you know, we, we've got them, uh, you know, in some way. And I think those, I mean, I haven't been on your main podcast, Jim, for a long time, um, but those that aren't subscribers and patrons and won't have heard a lot of our conversations during the season, there's only four teams, I think, that we're better than or we've got a better squad than in the Premier League. And that's Fulham, Burnley, West Brom and Sheffield United. Outside of that, I think we're probably on a par with sort of Leeds and Brighton, maybe. And then I would say to you, you know, all the others, Villa, West Brom and so on, West, well, Villa, West Ham and not West Brom, um, have invested heavily in the last few years. I mean, you, you've got the big six, as we've talked before. Then you've got Wolves, Leicester, Everton that have spent three or four hundred million pounds in the last few years. And then you've got Villa, 200 million, you know, uh, West Ham, probably the same. You know, there's been a lot that, that, you know, Southampton have done well with their recruitment and the way they've built their squad. You know, the, I just think it's completely unrealistic. And I would say, much as this will no doubt cause some consternation with some of the listeners, that you could argue that us being, where are we, 13th today or something? Yeah, at the Th- 13th. We're probably two places mm. higher than I think we should be. You know, that's that's probably the reality. But I just, I don't know what anybody's expecting, you know, and where Don was saying about, it's a very pertinent and correct point, you know, there's only so much you can do with the same players. You know, you need to, to turn those players over. And Alex Ferguson, apparently, I was, my brother called me late last night and was talking about the game and he said, Alex Ferguson wrote in his autobiography that it's never a good idea to have several players out of contract at the same time at a football club because it creates, you know, um, groups of, you know, the, 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 the probably misery loves company at the end of the day. So you can imagine there's a lot of conversation among the players that are out of contract about, you know, whether they've been offered something, are you getting this or is this going on? And it doesn't really... You know, it's not a platform for an upward trajectory for a Premier League football club to be going forward. And I think, to be to be honest with you, Roy's been a bit of a fall guy in the last few years because he gets a lot of stick for delivering time and time again. while he doesn't have a great hand. But if the if the if the club wants to go in a different direction, that's understandable. But something needs to change, and if it's if it's not now then we need to back him and we also need to bring in, like I said, some young players quickly so that the team isn't made up of disaffected players for the rest of the season because that could be dangerous for us. Here's, here's, here's something to consider. Does anyone actually think that if, if Crystal Palace brought in, say, a Ralph Hasenhutl character, or even Ralph let's just for the sake of it, say Ralph Hasenhutl, if they brought him in now, would he have any real effects on this particular squad as it stands? Because I don't think they will. I don't think he would. I, don't, I just don't think that he'd be able to suddenly inject energy into the team, a team that has that 
it has an insecure future, an uncertain future, and is aging. I don't think we could play the Probably pressing not. game, Dom, could we? Anyway, no. we couldn't do that if him or Eddie Howe turned up today. And Eddie Howe, again, is a worry for me because he got relegated with Bournemouth having spent a hell of a lot more money than we have. So he's not a proven success in that respect, and that would be a concern if we hired him. I'm not saying that it, it would be the wrong thing to do necessarily, but his, his, his record isn't proven at top level in the same way that perhaps Royce's. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, whoever comes in or doesn't will will need new players anyway. So that that is kind of undisputed. But the thing is, James, like maybe, and again, I'm going into this word malaise. Um, in fact, actually, someone put in the WhatsApp group, in the Patreon WhatsApp group, someone put a link to an article that said, <laughs> Roy extends contract at Palace. And I was like, literally about an hour ago. And I was like, what? We'll have to talk about that on the podcast. And it turns out it's the one from last year. So uh, that was... <laughs> that was a relief in many ways. Um, sometimes changing the manager, it, I'm thinking, is it just, it freshens up the place. You know what I mean? Even if you do yeah. then turn over <laughs> seven or eight players into the season, but it just, it, it almost gives everyone a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a lift. Maybe that's a bit simplistic. I, it's very simplistic, but it's actually true. And I kind of know what Dom's saying, you know, these players play the way they are. And there's a, there's this feeling around the club with all these players coming out of contracts. But when I talk about an injection of energy, it could just be the fact of changing the manager. And I think changing the manager would, because it just, there'll be a whole different feel around the place. And we're just talking, you've, you've, had, you've had Roy there for, for four years, you know, and it's everybody knows what they're doing. They know to say hello to in the morning. They, they know the routine. It's routine. And I think sometimes you just need to shake things up a little bit to make people realise that maybe there's something more in their locker. And I don't know, just a little bit of, Trying to impress a new manager is always a thing as well, you know, and trying to trying to get in favour. I don't know. I just think there needs to be something. It would be the easiest thing would be to get rid of Roy. Um, because I don't we're not gonna have much time to bring any players in. There's only like what three or four days left of the transfer window, unless something is happening that I don't know about, um, which is very likely. But I don't know. I just um I just you know, I would I I hate to blame the manager because I think there's a lot of other factors in this, but it seems, it seems like it would be almost be the easiest thing to do, and maybe the quickest, a quick solution to what's happening right now. Um, Dom, just really quickly, then, not for the end of part one on, on Roy. Um, has football moved on from the days of long-staying managers, your Fergusons? And actually, as you say, that that four-year period sort of these days feels quite, quite, uh, quite long. Have we just moved on that it's not the case where this stability in inverted commas is is, is really a thing? I think we probably have, yeah. Um, I don't know if we've done that consciously, but I suspect that the level of scrutiny and the, well, the in, at Premier League level, the, the, the sheer terror that most hierarchies have at the prospect of falling out of the division has dictated that, that there is a, a shorter shelf life for, for all managers. And these projects that they come out with when they get appointed these days, um, they're really only two, three-year cycles at most. I mean, and, and at some clubs, it, it lasts a lot less than that. I mean, four years is with one manager does does feel almost exceptional. It's particularly at clubs that are our, our size as well, and clubs that that like us that that will go through periods inevitably every season where we flirt a bit with relegation. We, we the fan base is concerned, and the board, more importantly, is concerned that we might get dragged into trouble. Um. So I think it probably, yeah, it probably has, it probably has changed. I, I, I just, 
on on his future just finally uh, for me um uh, i i don't know whether I, I agree with with enders in as much as yes it can have a galvanizing effect an immediate uplift for for a squad if a new manager comes in but palace's next appointment is 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 coming into this club to rebuild what will be a new team given the number of out of contract players in the summer and i don't think any manager worth his salt any manager that we that would excite us necessarily would want to come in mid-season when half this squad is out of contract in in four or five months because I, I I think that will dictate the tone that goes gets carried into next season I mean motivating these guys he will he will potentially find problematic and if if there's a dreadful end to this season like there was say for to last season it does carry on it there is a hangover it goes into the next campaign and I think a manager that that comes in will want a pre-season with his players. He'll want to have a say in, in who those players are going to be and who who's going to come in and, and replenish the squad. And, and and to be honest, he may well be under under contract somewhere else at the moment with unfinished business at his current club. I suspect that's that that'll be how what Palace experience when they spend the next month or so really ascertaining who they want to be in charge next season I, I i fully expect that to be the priority for the next six weeks let's say and by the end of february they've really got to know who's going to be in charge next season can i ask you really quickly just to round off because there are quite a few questions including from michael smith and luke cooper asking about frank lampard which to me doesn't necessarily seem uh, an obvious choice but you seem like the right guy to ask about that with your <laughs> Chelsea. We mentioned this last night briefly, but I think Frank Lampard's mind will be frazzled at the moment. He's he's just lost his dream job um, at the club, a club that idolised him. Um, same could be said for his assistant Jody Morris. They, they're Chelsea through and through, and they've they've just been sacked. They're they, they're being paid until the summer. Um, Frank Lampard's wife is expecting a baby. Uh, I I don't think Frank Lampard is going to be in the right frame of mind to to walk into a a job at a rival Premier League club in the next, in the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, come summer, maybe things change. Maybe he's, he, he feels as if he has to get straight back on the bicycle and, and, and get going again. Um, I think it's dangerous for managers who have only, I mean, he's only had what, two and a half years as a, in management itself. And it will be dangerous for him to be out of the game for a prolonged period of time because his reputation will suffer if, if he is. So he'll want to get back on at some point soonish, but it's got to be the right club. And again, Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard, who whose biggest qualities at Chelsea were bringing through young players from their academy, bloody good young players as well, by the way. Um, he would be walking into a completely different environment at Palace. For all that we love our academy, we, we don't have talent that's sitting there now ready to play first team football we just don't have it i know people want it to be there but it isn't uh yeah it will be hopefully in a few years time when these under promising under 18s come through and they were under 16s or whatever but at the moment it's just not there is that an exclusive them dom that uh, <laughs> frank lampard's not chelsea exclusive from the athletic that Frank Lampard's going to be too busy changing nappies to join the Eagles. Is that is that what we're saying? Is that is I think, that? I think it's a while off with Christine. To be fair, can, can I uh, <laughs> can I say, Jim, just briefly while you're rounding up about Roy? You know, I think he's he's been a victim of his own success. You know, the club has demonstrated in recent years that it only acts when it absolutely has to. Think of the money that 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 
Sam Allardyce was given. We spent £40 million in that transfer window on three players, Schlupp, Van Arnold and Luka Milivojevic, and then loaned Sacco, who latterly became another £30 million player. So we gave Sam £70 million worth of players when we were in the bottom three and in danger of going down. We've given Roy nothing like that since he's been in charge because he's always done such a comfortable job of keeping us in the league. And even now, despite all the unhappiness, we're still we're halfway through the season, 11 points clear of the relegation zone, I think, or something like that. You know, and as, as you know, the sad thing is that if he does go, the next bloke's probably going to come in and get the hand that perhaps he has never been dealt, you know, which is tough on him. And as Dom said, you know, four years, I think only Steve Coppel's been longer. I don't think Frankie Valley would get four seasons at the Palace, would he? Let alone Roy Hodgson. <laughs> so... So um, <laughs> there you go, musical analogy for you. There, I liked Rangers, it. I liked it. Very good. But um, <laughs> but just just the fact that you know, I, I I do feel sorry for the bloke. I think he's done great, but he's he, he's sort of Roy. As I've said this before, is often the whipping boy, and I think the issues are sort of greater than than him managing. I'm sure if you ask him in private, you know, he's never going to sit at his press conference and say. I've got a load of old blokes and I'd like to turn a load of them over and get some young, fresh blood in. But I don't know a manager that wouldn't, to be honest. So I think he's I think he's done great regardless and he's delivered. And he's been exactly what they've needed because he's all, you know, everyone else is almost hidden behind Roy during this period, I think. And he takes the brickbats and all that sort of stuff. But he's actually delivered comfortably every season. Well, someone else we hope is going to do well for Palace is Mr. Jean-Philippe Mateta. And after the break, uh, we are going to uh, discuss him with the help of The Athletic. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Well, welcome back to the 5 Plan Podcast. Hey! and it's time for uh, an article from The Athletic. They're a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace, a subscription-based website and app. Completely ad-free, no ads, no pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a subscription for just £1 a month, which is a bargain. Um, So this week's article is by Matt Woosnam, and it's on Mateta, our new striker arrived on... uh, uh, 18-month loan deal, I believe. 18 months is quite a long time. Um, wasn't available last night because of visa issues, but we believe Royce, well, Roy said he's available at the weekend, hopefully. Uh, so Matt's article here um, is a sort of an introduction to Mateta and uh, hopefully the sort of qualities he'll bring to Palace. Um, normally when Dom's on, when we're doing the athletic, I, I force him into reading it, but um, I'm not going to this time. Uh, I'm going to read it instead because I've realised that there might be quite a lot of um, producers out there listening who... 
uh, might cast voiceover work. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put some music below it now, some sort of lone jazz music. Um, and then I'm gonna try and read it in my best uh, radio voice possible. And if there are any producers listening, then <clears throat> I'm available. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, a bit about Mateta's uh, goal-scoring attributes that he will bring to Palace. Hopefully, <clears throat> in a team which creates relatively few goal-scoring opportunities, Mateta's ability to prosper in and around the penalty area will be crucial. That is where the 23-year-old is most effective with the quality of chances he creates for himself among the highest in Europe this season. With six goals from an expected figure of 7.8 and a total of 28 shots, suggesting he's broadly in line with expectations when it comes to converting those opportunities. Um, and then Matt does go on uh, to say, um, there is, oh, hang on, I'll do it in the voice again, but there is an element of caution required. For all his quality in attacking positions, there are questions over his work rate off the ball and his teamwork. The expectation, though, will be that those are areas the Palace coaching team are able to work on to iron out. As they, thank you, Arnie. As they, thank you. All right, as they are doing with Everett Chiesa. Okay, I get it. You don't like it. That's not great. I'm being heckled by a dog. As they are doing with Everett Chiesa, and have done right, Arnie, with the likes of Andros Townsend and Jeff Schlupp since Hodgson took over in September. 2017. I can't believe we've lost Arnie as a subscriber and Frank Lampard as a oh, no. subscriber within a week. <laughs> this is bad news. More concerning is he came off the streets of Romania about 15 months ago and he's that well-versed in Crystal Palace. He's barking at the very <laughs> prospect of Jim uh, saying about his lack of work rate. <laughs> Listen, okay, Dom. So this, this is this is a player obviously unproven in the Premier League, young and, you know, coming from a team that struggled massively in Germany. Um, but from reading Matt's article, it, I was left with a fairly positive um, feeling about what Mateta can bring to the team. Although I positive, but with not too many expectations. Is that, is that a fair way to assess it? Yeah, there are a, couple, a few things on this. It's, you never know how a 23-year-old, um, even plucked from the Bundesliga, is, is going to fare in a, in a new, new league, a new environment. Um, the hope is that yeah he he will add something slightly different and he does look a bit a bit like a sort of more mobile Christian Benteke good decent in the air but but good with his feet um, but he is the type of person that Crystal Palace should be buying I mean he's a 23 year old striker of potential and that's always where we've been at our best I mean you could argue that almost with Eze as well really couldn't you I mean it's it's yeah. a, a player who you think can go to the next level and. It's a player that Palace have tracked extensively. I know Selzy gave us a big exclusive over the summer that there was an interest in there, but but Roy spoke about him prior to the West Ham game, saying that Dougie Freeman had actually been, you know, scrutinising Mateta's training performances, you know, in training at, at, at Mainz back in the summer of 2019. So this this interest goes back a long way, and it's really been quite opportunistic the way that Palace have uh, have gone about securing the player really um you know he it's an amazing deal i mean a loan fee for 18 months with a with a option or obligation depending on which club you believe um to buy um if he if certain stipulations uh, are, are reached written into the contract um and for you know this is a player that can contribute 10 goals a season let alone 12 to 15 or more then in the modern market that's that's quite a bargain and it's, it's certainly Considering that Mainz's valuation was near at thirty million euros, even over the summer, that's that's quite a that's quite a come down on their part, and and it would would appear that the Palace have have at least 
found a bargain on the market. So let's let's see how he does. Um, as you say, he was off. He was off getting his his uh, visa in Paris in midweek, so he couldn't he couldn't uh, feature against West Ham. But that has now been sorted. And Roy seemed quite confident that he would he would be in the matchday squad on on Saturday. And and given where Christian Menteke is and and his his form at present, I, I would imagine that Mateta would start and Benteke at the very best would be on the bench. I assume when they're invited, you say invited to training, that's like uh, they're allowed to come and it's not some sort of Marco Bielsa situation where they're sort of Dougie's <laughs> flying through the trees with binoculars. I like the idea of Dougie doing um, that though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, we, Arnie's joined us as well. Uh, so let, let's get Arnie's thoughts. Arnie, what do you think about Mateta uh, joining? Are you confident? What are we saying, Arnie? Will Mateta make us better? That's the question. He's not. He's not giving a lot, Jim. Unfortunately, he's giving nothing away. I, I could. I might be able to help a little bit because um, I've followed the Bundesliga. He's now climbed up on the desk, actually, so I'm putting down. Uh, I follow the Bundesliga quite closely um, each week in terms of the highlights packages and stuff. So I've seen a bit of Mateta over this season, uh, week to week, and he's built like Christian Benteke. And how I would have described him, to be honest, is. He looks a bit like him with better. See what happens when he goes away. You see, uh, the uh, he looks he looks like him. He's built like him in in that sense. He's long and rangy, tall and rangy. But he looks to me from the bits I've seen that he's a he's not bad with his feet when one on one with the keeper and stuff. He's a a decent finisher. He scored a hat trick, I think, against Freiburg in one of the games I saw this year, and. Um, He's probably, as we've said, the type of fellow that is worth taking a punt on, especially at the deal that we managed to secure for him, in order to, uh, you know, in order to sort of have a look before we really have to put uh, our balls on the block, so to speak. Yeah, Enders, it is, it's, it's, as the guys say, it is definitely sort of more heading towards the sort of deals that Palace should be doing. I mean, yeah. Chris Chantry has sent us a question saying, how typical Palace is it to scout a player for two years, sign him on an 18th month loan deal and then not get him a work visa? I would imagine <laughs> that's more, yeah. that, maybe that's probably happening to a lot of clubs at the moment, I'd imagine, oh, sure, yeah. sort of current oh, circumstances. Sure. But it, it, it definitely checks a lot of more boxes if, if we're talking about, we spent, we spent part one talking about the changes that need to be made at Palace mm. and and the progress that needs to happen and the profile of player that needs to come in, it, this is definitely ticking those boxes. Well, yeah, you look at, we bought him when we got Eze, we got uh, the dude from West Brom who hasn't played yet, Ferguson. You know, there, there are some young players coming in, you know, and it, it, it's exciting. You know, he's, he's unproven, but that's fine. You know, that's fine, he's unproven. He's he's scored a few goals in the Bundesliga, and that's great. Let's, you know, it's um, it's it's a step in the right, the right direction, and... <coughs> And I just hope, you know, you know, we 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 all hope that he gets into the into the team. He scores a couple of goals, but at least it's it's a positive towards next season. And the things we're talking about in part one about players being out of contract, at least there's going to be th- three or four younger ones who are in contract and who are new and want to impress. Eze needs to impress even more. Still, I mean, he's great, but he still wants to impress and be better. And this guy will hopefully come in and, and want to impress as well. And, you know, and it does ease the way out for Benteke, I guess, um, who does seem to be really at the end now. I can't see Benteke being here for much longer than the summer. So, you know, it's all, it's a positive thing. And I just hope that other young players around Europe or the world see this and and come as well. I think, you know, if, if you're a young 
22, 23 year old and there's a few teams looking at you in the Premier League and you say, well, they've got that guy Eze, they've got Mateta, they've got that. So, yeah, they've, they've, they've got some, they're obviously building for the future. And yes, it may be, as Don was saying, maybe it is all a little bit too late, but at least we are. I'm trying to put a spin on this to make it look really good, but at, at least we are building for the future. Do you know what I mean? At least we are. And we have got 23 points. It's not all doom and gloom, is it? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Please tell me. I think I do think it's time for the young and hungry for Palace. I yeah, think exactly. That, that signing the, you know, a lot of these players have turned into to fat cats, really, in the sense that they're they're on good contracts. They're probably a bit past their sell by date. They're they're still earning the money. They've no desire to move on when that's the case, and you can understand that. But I think. The issue you get sometimes from signing the players from big clubs and stuff is they think they're doing you a favour or they're a bit better than you or whatever it might be. I think, you know, a young, vibrant team of people whose careers are all on the rise is the future for Crystal Palace and not not so many experienced players that are... I mean, it's a balance, of course, because you need to stay in the Premier League and that will be... You know, we've done it on the cheap, really, in the last few years by bringing in these experienced players. But it's sticking plaster stuff. It's not, it's not long-term strategy. And I think the longer-term strategy has got to be to go this way and not and not have uh, too many players that are over thirty kicking around in the squad. You know, maybe one or two or three. But I think there's too many at the moment that are at the wrong end, really. Yeah. I agree, yeah. and, and and it does seem to be heading that way. It is disapp- it's frustrating that we've got to this point that's maybe forced forced us to go in this direction, but if we get there, maybe that's the, more the important thing. Just lastly on Mateta, uh, I'll go to Dom for this. I had a question from KJ Newts, who says, um, what are the chances, this is, such a, this is such a classic Palace fan question, um, what are the chances of us ending up in a reverse Sorlot situation with JPM, i.e. he bags 20 goals for us and the Champions League club buys him out of his loan and gazumps us? The guy hasn't even played a minute for us yet. Palace have effectively got this player for the next, I'd say, probably five and a half years if they want him. If they want him, just because of the stipulations of the agreements that they, they they've struck with Mines. If they have, they they can cancel it. Can, Palace can cancel it, as far as I know. Palace can cancel this deal this summer. They can cancel this deal next summer. Um, after which the eighteen months will be up, and he'll be signing permanently. Um, and then presumably that will be on a four-year contract. So you go five and a half years. If they want him, he's theirs. No one can, no Champions League club can come in and do that. Um, it, it's it's an amazing deal, and I think Palace, on on paper, from what from just looking at this deal, it is incredible. They've done an amazing job to get it. Obviously, it'll only seem incredible if the if the fellas he any good. Goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, look, yeah, I mean, that's good. You know, everyone was very frustrated with the whole Sorlot thing. So, you know, at least it seems We like... did make a profit on Sorlot in the we end. Did. Though, and we? I think I think he wasn't going to really be a success at Palace anyway. But well, look you at know, his toils at RB Leipzig as well. well exactly. Like exactly. He's got one goal, hasn't he, this season, has he? Yeah. yeah. But really listen, this, this certainly feels more positive. Um, and that's great news about the deal. We've just got to hope that JPM actually scores some goals now. But uh, that we will see. Um, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back with some more questions from our listeners. 
my brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Well... Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Part three is question time. We asked our listeners for transfer questions. You guys, long listeners will know that I'm not a fan of transfer questions, uh, but I'm allowing us a few more this week as there is, as James said earlier, three or four days left. It's Monday, Mm. Monday night, I think it, on Monday the 1st, it ends at 11 p.m., I believe. So three or four days. Um, At Josh WMGL. Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. At, Hello, Josh. Josh. At WMGL. Or... He says, in inverted commas, when are we going to sign a new manager? And they put, does that count as transfer talk? We've done that, Josh. <laughs> All right, we've done that in part one. But I thought, a cheeky question, I thought I'd read it out. Um, Scott Pierce, this is an interesting one, sells here, come to you for this. He said, what mug would want to come and play here? Damari Gray will be booking his flights overseas, that's for sure. I think there's definitely a wider point around how players see results and games as opposed to fans because yes last night was disappointing but pl- players won't be reacting in the same way potential players no the different players have different mentalities of course there'll be some that might go well, I don't fancy that They're, they haven't done great and so on but then it depends how many choices they've got of course and there'll be others that think that's a forward step that's lots more money than I'm used to earning and it's Premier League football and so on and I quite fancy that and I'll be good enough to make a difference in that team and turn around their fortune. So I don't think, you know, people look at it in the way that fans do in the sense of, you know, it's all up and it's all down. I think, you know, the ups and downs are standard as a professional footballer and you have to take all that just the same and think about what you can do and and, and what difference you can make. And I think there'll be lots of people that would love to come and play for Crystal Palace who are good payers, by the way, as well. Yes, well, I mean, I mean you know, on the flip side, you could say that there's some players, like you say, who will see the current run and think, I can actually improve that squad and help. And actually, Palace going through a sort of sticky situation might even weirdly benefit us because players will think they can come and make a difference. Um Here's a question from George McWilliams, 1998. Mm. Hi, George. Hi, George. He says, um, is midfield now the priority to upgrade? Starting midfielders showing their age slash lack of dynamism. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dom, that is something we've talked about before on this podcast, isn't it? That has to be an area. Well, yes, but how much can you do that in in January? I, I, I don't know whether that would necessarily be a an area that they'd... they'd prioritise now. I mean, look, it depends on what availability is out there. Uh, Lundstrom might be one dom that's possible. Yeah, I possibly. Think. But but then, well, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, there's a possibility. I guess he's out of contract at Sheffield United, and in six months, is is he? 
On the form that he demonstrated last season, I guess you'd think that he would be a useful asset. I would, I would throw in the caveat though that he wasn't. When when Sheffield United got promoted out of the Championship, John Lundstrom was not a regular member of that Championship winning team or that the promotion winning team. They had he was not anticipated. It was not anticipated that he would be a key player in the Premier League. He did very well in a slightly tweaked system at Sheffield United. Last season, and in that respect, he, you know, that, that's that's encouraging, and and he's, he would argue that he's has established himself as a top flight player now. But I, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask the fan base, <laughs> generalised, and whether that he would get their juices flowing. I, I'm not necessarily convinced that he would. He would be a useful squad player, I'd, I'd suggest. But I, I, I look at Palace at the moment, and yeah, there, there was there was interest, and there is interest in Damari Gray. But I'm not sure that immediate priority would necessarily be a winger anymore. Um, I, I I wonder whether they, their, their priority is 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 changing almost with each performance. And they would have looked at, um, as Selzy mentioned in the first part, actually they would have looked at the deficiencies at centre half and the options that Palace have at centre half, and wonder whether they can get in a a younger centre-back, which is an area that they're going to need to strengthen with so many of that current crop out of contract in the summer. But again, it all just depends on availability, on what they can get in in this last week. I, 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 it's it's not an easy window to do business in. They did very well to get a striker in. Um, I think they could probably have pushed for a winger if they really wanted one, but they may have to just prioritise other areas in what time remains. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that. Michael Phillips has sent us a question saying, while we all want more attacking flair coming on, is it actually our defensive unit that needs urgent requirements? Even with a match like Roy, we seem to be conceding too many goals. Uh, so that'll be very interesting if Palace do make a move in defence. And and Selzy, Dom's right. January is a difficult month. I almost feel like, I know you are talking earlier about Roy as a victim of his own success. We are sort of the victim of, of, of our own success in the January 2017 window when we did so well and were so successful that I think almost maybe people think that you can be really profitable in January, but tr- traditionally for all clubs, it is very, very difficult. No, because seasons are going on, teams are in chance of doing things. I mean, for example, you know, Don mentioning centre back there. I think Dougie has checked on Collins from Stoke City, who Burnley apparently have had a five million pound bid uh, rejected for, who's young, um, but Stoke are in the shake-up for promotion and would probably want to be in the playoffs come the end of the season. So would they sell now? Similarly, I think Dougie is still very keen on on Saar from Watford as a wide player. But again, he's £30 million. Can he get the board to part with the money now? But again, his pace and his his directness might give us a bit of a lift. And, you know, would Watford, if I understand, I mean, Dom as his colleagues at The Athletic, I think Adam Leventhal and a few others who are close to Watford. But I think Watford, strangely, would would like the money. So I think there is still a chance that that, that you know, that a, a deal for him could be done. But I think West Ham also now hold an interest in him. Um, but that, um, you know, Watford are also in the shake-up, obviously six points off the top, I think, in the championship. So it would be strange. It's just very, very hard to do. 
Damari Gray looks the easiest deal to do in one respect because he's not featured apart from a quick cameo against Palace in the game over Christmas for Leicester. So I don't know how hard they would want to uh, to stop a departure, you know, or his potential departure there. But I, I feel... That might actually count against him, though, Selzy. I mean, in, in yeah. as much as he's, he's played so little football this season, is he likely to hit the ground running if he came mm. in at Palace now? Is there not more logic in some ways to wait until the summer to get him on a free transfer, if indeed he's still available then? And then you can start him in pre-season and, and build him into the team then. I, I, I suspect that probably comes into the thinking. I mean, my, my concern, I suppose, with Damari Gray is he's been out of the picture, like you said, for so long. Mm. We're coming back to my bit about the only Premier League players we sign are discards, really, from other clubs. I mean, West Ham sold us Czech Kiate on the cheap and James Tompkins because they clearly didn't see them as part of their plans or they wouldn't be selling them to Crystal Palace. But, you know, this is... This is the difficulty with signing these players. And the flip side is, as Enders pointed out earlier with Eze, he's a little bit hot and cold. Last night, his weight of pass wasn't very good at times. And I don't know if that was the, the wet surface or whatever. But, you know, sometimes his final product isn't there. But when you sign a 22-year-old lad from the championship who's stepping up, that is what you're going to get to a degree. And that's all part of the process, if you like, to turn them into top Premier League players. But then you have a few bumps along the way. You know, it, it, it's it's very difficult because obviously from a from Steve Parrish and um, Josh Harris and David Blitzer's perspective, keeping Crystal Palace in the Premier League and getting them their 140, 50, 60 million pound turnover is paramount to all of these things happening. So there does have to be some short-term thinking at times even if you have long-term goals or a long-term strategy. So, you know, it's imperative that we're in in that league. But what I find difficult is, you know, I was looking last night uh, after the pod at the squad and, you know, 13 players going potentially, I think. And, you know, will we retain some of them? Maybe. But still a massive amount of players to replace. And we haven't exactly been... Um, free and easy in chucking cash around on transfer fees in the last few seasons. I mean, even last summer, you know, the sale of Surlock pretty much paid for Eze. We took Batshuayi's wages on a on a loan from Chelsea. Ferguson's a tribunal deal, which we haven't seen yet. And did we bring one other player? Who else did we bring in last summer? Did we bring one other in? Who oh, have I forgotten? Or was it just those three? Eze, um, Batshuayi and Ferguson. Yeah, that was it, I think. That's it, is it? There's no one else. So, again, we you know, we haven't spent huge sums of money on anybody again there. And we didn't the previous season either. You know, it was all cheap deals for the McCarthys and the IUs and stuff like that. So, it, that's my concern is you're going to need a lot of cash. You know, if 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 you want 13 players, you're going to need loans, you're going to need the best free agents, you're going to need to spend some money. It's going to be very difficult to revamp the squad in one big hit like that, I think. The, the other way of looking at the contracts, obviously, and this was actually mentioned to me by one, an agent um, who may or may not have a player that's current, can, currently in the last six months of his contract at Crystal Palace. Um, I don't he, know who that could be. <laughs> but he, he said that actually... That, 
his impression is the club is quite chilled on 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 that front because it's debatable whether those a lot of those players will have that much interest out there and that Palace might to sit on it and and then offer reduced terms uh, much much closer to the end of their their current deals and and if they if they take them then great then 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 Palace are you know not laughing but they're but they're better off than they would be if they were offering them now the, the um, problem is Don with the reduced term stuff if James Endicott's working at the radio station he's been there for donkey's years and I'll say all right Enders come on in I'm going to extend your contract but I'm going to cut your salary he doesn't go skipping home to his missus at the end of the day and say oh we've got really good news here you know it's it probably makes you feel a bit uh unwanted or 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 downgraded in some way or something like that I don't know but you know I'm not sure that it, that is a a platform again to to have success, I think you're almost better getting rid of people than giving them reduced terms, quite honestly. Right. Well, interesting. We will see what happens with that. Um, certainly transfer-wise in the next few days and then obviously contract-wise over the next few months. It's definitely feels like a pivotal time at Palace at the moment. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with both of those. Um, let's take a quick break. And afterwards, we've got a preview, uh, a game on Saturday, home to Wolves. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. You can feel that malaise coming through the headphones. Um, it's part four where we preview Palace's next game. It's home to Wolves, um, which is, well, Wolves are not quite the team they were last season, but still going to be tricky. Um, Enders had a question here from HMR4. Okay, HMR4. Sounds like a TV channel. Um, yeah. Who says, um, how crucial is this Saturday's game against Wolves for a fatigued fan base of Roy Bull? And you go, lot to, un- lot to unpack there. It's a tricky one because normally I'm here talking about uh, games coming up and we just want a great performance, you know, after a terrible game like we've just had. But I think it's getting to a point now where we actually need points as well. You know, I think, well, we always need points, but um, we, we need a performance. We need to bounce back from the malaise, which is the, the word of the pod from of, of last night. Um, and uh, it'd be nice to score. It'd be nice to get a clean sheet. Uh, and it'd be nice to get some points. Um, you know, it's going to be a tricky one. It's a real mid-table scrap, isn't it, tomorrow? It, oh, sorry, the weekend. It's a real mid-table scrap. Two two teams who are not at their best, um, both on roughly about the same points, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. both, both could, in, in fact, both could get dragged into a proper relegation dogfight. Both teams will be wanting we want to get the points. And I always say, let's just get out and get at the team and get an early goal, and then we'll be all right. We did that last night, and look what happened. So <laughs> I, I better shut up in future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, last night it was, Dom, it was the first game in 20-something that we've lost after going ahead, which is, again, sort of very un-Roy. Um, you're watching Wolves tonight, obviously. They're playing 
Chelsea by the time this goes out. But he hasn't, he hasn't have, mentioned Chelsea, to be fair. They may have already played. So obviously, you know, they've got they've got fewer games to prepare. Although I think we had five more days than West Ham to prepare for last night. I don't know how much that really matters. Um, we were talking about positive changes earlier. We might have JPM in, in the team for Saturday. How much of a boost would that give the team? You'd imagine that'd be that'd be quite significant. Um, I, I I really hope that there are changes. I really hope that there's a, a tweak in in formation to to ensure that the same thing doesn't happen against Wolves as happened in the last three trips to Molyneux in the last six months, where we've gone with exactly the same formation each time, and each time we've been completely overrun through midfield. It's, it's there's got to be um, a, a nod to the opposition on this that. that uh, you know where their threat's going to be, Neto and Adama Traore on the flanks. They'll have a new striker as well, probably, on show at the weekend. In, they've signed William Jose um, coming in, as and, and he is the sort of Raul Jimenez replacement. So they'll probably go back to something more akin to how they were playing before this dreadful run, and that, that may involve them going three at the back again. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, they're on exa- as we speak, and this is prior to the game at, at, at Stamford Bridge, they're, they're on the same run that we're on. One win in nine Premier League games. And, and okay, they've had the, the cup success over us and, a, and an unconvincing and equally narrow success against Chorley in the FA Cup. But, but there is a sense that, that Nuno Espirito Santo is experiencing his first um, difficult period at Molyneux. I, I, I'm one of my many, I know Selzy loves my, my other podcast appearances, but I, I had to, to go and do something on the on a Wolves podcast this week with Jackie Oatley and Tim Spears at The Athletic. And, and Listen, listen to, pick up those names quickly, can you? Like, whilst you uh, put that on the <laughs> But, the, but the sense from them is that, yeah, that, you know, if we're talking about crisis, they're talking about crisis. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a point behind us. Yeah. Um, it's they're not they're not a happy camp at the moment, and it's it's largely be thrown by that horrific head injury sustained by Jimenez, and and indeed the sum the summer loss of Yota, um, which is and and to a certain extent Doty, which probably seems to have sort of thrown them slightly out of kilter. Yeah, yeah. But but they they've got they've got loads of quality. They're a really good team, and and Palace can't afford to just think that we can we can impose ourselves on them just by playing four four two again because it won't happen. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky one, isn't it, um, Adam? And we, we the number of times on this podcast I said and Ender's just said it, a reaction will be good. Just want a reaction. <laughs> we seem to say that every every other week, but it it, it has suddenly become an Roy important. Roy doesn't game. like the old questions of no. Roy doesn't like the old questions about was that did you get a Not from me? No. <laughs> don't, don't Dom, don't use that in the old pre-match press conference on Friday. You're looking for reaction, Roy, because <laughs> you might get his pen flying across and hitting you straight in the left Through the eye. Zoom, but uh, yeah, all <laughs> oh, right, okay, you're you're all right. I'll just bounce off the screen then. You'll be cool. Um, no, I. I they're a good side. I mean, they finished seventh in the Premier League the last two seasons, I think, and obviously they've spent a lot of money. I mean, what what's happened in all the games we've played against Wolves since we've been promoted, including the 2-0 victory at Molyneux on, uh, early in the new year, was that two years ago? 2019, was, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, Jordan Ayew, I think, yeah. got his first goal for Palace that night, didn't right. he? Um, but the, the, the difficulty there, I think, is that there are very defensively, they're a very hard team to play against. And I don't think in any of the games we've created lots and lots of chances, even the, that one that we won. You know, they've generally been quite tight, the games, and not um, and we've struggled to sort of 
make an impact on their their sort of well organised unit. So I think we've got to hope for something different and um, maybe a Jean Philippe Mateta hat trick to start off at Selhurst on Saturday and us score three goals. I think um, I'll be very happy. Well, with. let's hope that next week we're singing "Things Can Only Get Mateta." That doesn't work. Oh, no, you'll no. mm. never get a radio show. No. Really. No, 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 no. no, that wasn't on. That wasn't on the level of Frankie Valley got for. No, that's, that's one of the best things I've heard. Be that's the best thing I've There's there something in that. There is. I'm working on that. There's, there's a pod title in that, so I'm gonna. I'll work on well, it, and we'll get there at some point. Um, but anyway, fingers crossed for Saturday. Let's see what happens. Thank you, uh, lads, for joining me. Uh, James, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, and um, I'll speak to you next week. Indeed. Uh, Dom, thanks for, thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for thank you for having me. And, Ad, and Adam, happy 55th birthday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, you're all ageing me. And uh, <laughs> now the, uh, I know there's going to be less birthdays probably than the amount I've already had previously, but uh, you are rubbing salt in the wound a little bit. Well, you, and yeah. Dom's going to get to celebrate my birthday having prawn sandwiches and caviar with Roman Abramovich. <laughs> so much wrong with that statement, so I don't know where to start. <laughs> right, anyway, thank you very much, Jesse. Yes. Thank you for your questions, and Thanks, uh, we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Thanks, Jim. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.